This program is made possible by the giving of the God-called partners of Renner Ministries. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Hey, welcome to the program. This is Rick Renner. And my friends, we're about to begin a brand new series called Christmas, the rest of the story. And we have prepared 15 programs that are just so full of information. They're nearly like small documentaries. You're going to learn so much about Christmas that you've never heard before. And today I'm going to do a brand new teaching called A Miraculous Place in Bethlehem. That's why we have the illustration of Bethlehem behind me. Ah, oh, this program is just going to be so rich today. But we're offering you the brand new series, which is called Christmas, The Rest of the Story. It's 15 parts. The subtitle says, Amazing Insights About Christmas You've Never Heard Before. And it comes with a big study guide. And right now we're also offering you my book, also called Christmas, The Rest of the Story. I put two years of work into writing this book and hired a fabulous illustrator. Every single page of this book is marvelously illustrated. It is a feast of color. You will be amazed when you get your copy of this book. But hey, you can order all of these things by going online or by giving us a call right now. But remember that we want to pray for you. Perhaps you have something on your heart. You wish that somebody would get into agreement with you. Well, here we are. We're waiting to get into agreement with you. So if you'll call us or send us an email, the moment we hear from you, we're going to release our faith and Jesus is going to respond. But hey, before we get started, I want you to watch this and then I'll be right back. Think you know the Christmas story? A babe in a manger, three wise men and a few lowly shepherds. But did you know that's just part of the story? In Rick Renner's timeless new book, Christmas, the rest of the story. Rick uncovers the stunning details of the nativity story you've never heard. Like how many wise men there could have been, how far they would have traveled, and why Herod was troubled at the news of the birth of a new king. When I was growing up, I heard the same Christmas story year after year, and I loved it. When I got older, I found treasures in the Christmas story that no one had shared with me. That's what is in this book, and I wrote it to share with you and for you to share with those whom you love. When you call or go online right now to pre-order this book for just $35, you'll receive the timeless story of Christmas, now beautifully told in this landmark Christmas keepsake. Through its detailed watercolor illustration, Christmas, the rest of the story, invites families to explore the true meaning of Christmas as they interact with the story across the stunning hand-drawn pages. Bound in a hardcover, large-format book, you'll create a family tradition that will last for generations. Great as a gift or for enhancing your own traditions, pre-order the book today, Christmas, the rest of the story, for just $35. Call now or go to renner.org to order. Don't miss this special Christmas offer. Today, I'm going to tell you about a miraculous place in Bethlehem. And today, there is a church there, which is called the Church of the Nativity. If you've ever been to Israel, you have probably visited the Church of the Nativity. It is a church building which is built right on top of the location where Jesus was born nearly 2,000 years ago. And it was to that very place that Jesus was born, 
That is where Jesus was placed in a manger. That is where the shepherds came to worship him. And it's very different from what most people imagine because most of what we imagine about the birth of Jesus is what we have learned from greeting cards, not from the Bible and not from history. Over the years, we've all grown up seeing the beautiful greeting cards of Jesus in a barn, in a wooden manger, but this simply does not match what history tells us. The place where Jesus was born was actually in a cave. That's right. And the earliest record about this comes from Justin Martyr, the great Christian apologist. And Justin Martyr was born about 30 miles from Bethlehem, and that's where he grew up. So all of his growing up years, he heard local stories about the place where Jesus was born. And I want you to hear what Justin Martyr wrote in the year 150 A.D. When the Christ child was born in Bethlehem, since Joseph could not find a lodging in that village, he took up his quarters in a certain cave near the village. And while they were there, Mary brought forth the Christ and placed him in a manger. But in addition to these words from Justin Martyr, we also have the words of Origen, who was the great Christian theologian. And in the year 248 AD, Origen wrote these words. There is shown at Bethlehem the cave where he, Christ, was born, and the manger in the cave where he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, and this site is greatly talked of in surrounding places. According to Origen, Jesus was born in a cave outside of Bethlehem. And it's amazing to me that he said in the year 248 AD, which is nearly 250 years after the birth of Jesus, people were still talking about this place and they would regularly go there to see the manger where he was laid. Well, most of us have been raised to believe that Jesus was born in a wooden barn and he was placed in a wooden manger. But if Jesus was placed in a wooden manger 250 years later, it would not have been there. And if it had been there, it would have been fallen into a shambles. But people went there regularly to see the manger where Christ was born. And the reason they could still see it is because it was made of stone. You see, all around the city of Bethlehem, there were caves. I've been in many of those caves, and in fact, I've even filmed TV programs in them. Those caves were used as barns. There was no need to build a physical barn made out of wood because the caves were perfectly adapted for barns. And the shepherds would take a piece of rock from the cave, usually a part of the cave itself, and they would hollow it out, and they would make a feeding trough, which was the manger where the local animals would feed. So the manger was made of stone, and that explains why 250 years later, in the year 248 A.D., Origen says people were still coming there to see the manger where Christ was laid. And indeed, if you study the writings of Josephus, who is the greatest Jewish historian to ever live, he wrote there were many, many caves around the city of Bethlehem that shepherds used as barns. And not only did shepherds use them, but travelers used them. If the local inns were full, that is where the travelers would go to sleep because they were warm and they were dry places, very convenient for sleeping through the night. These caves are all around the city of Bethlehem. And according to the words of Justin Martin and Origen, these two early Christian writers, Jesus was born in that cave. I've been in many of those caves, and you can really see they are ideal places 
to be used as barns. But if you look at the very earliest illustrations of the nativity, all of them show that the birth of Jesus took place in a cave. But the Emperor Constantine had a mother whose name was Helena, and she converted to Christ. And when she converted to Christ, she was an avid follower of Jesus, and the Emperor Constantine opened to her all the resources of the imperial treasury. And when he did, she took advantage of those resources and traveled to what was then called Palestine. Today we call it Israel. And she began to research and document all the significant places related to Jesus in the land of Palestine. She documented where Jesus was born. She documented where Jesus was buried. She documented so many events where he was baptized, where he worked miracles, and she was able to document it because it really wasn't so long after the time that Jesus lived on the earth. And she was able to interview many people who had descended from believers in the first century. And with a lot of scientific research, she really documented these places, including the church of the Holy Nativity, where Jesus was born in a cave. And with resources provided by her son, the Emperor Constantine, in the year 326, the first official church was built over the cave in Bethlehem where Christ was born. It was a wooden facility. But then later, the Emperor Justinian said, hey, we want to build something more momentous than this. And in the year 520, they officially consecrated the new cathedral, which is the cathedral that is still there today. And now more than 1,500 years later, that cathedral still stands. And if you've ever been to Bethlehem, you've been to that very cathedral, which was built by the decree of the Emperor Justinian. And people have been worshiping there for 1,500 years. And in fact, it is the longest continuous site of worship in the history of Christianity. Today, when people visit the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem, it's very difficult for them to imagine that's the place where Jesus was born because for 1,500 years, it's been highly embellished and religiously decorated. But if you go down the steps into the grotto, which lies below the cathedral, a place which is very dark, it looks very dismal because for 1,500 years, candles have been burning there and the soot of the candles has darkened the cave. But that really is the place where Jesus was born. And today, there's a star made of bronze in the marble to indicate the very spot where the birth took place. That really is the cave where Mary gave birth to the Son of God. But hey, what all do we know about the Holy Family? In addition to what we know from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there is a treasure trove of information about Jesus and the Holy Family and all the members of Jesus' extended family. And you will find just from the scriptures alone, the Bible tells us about 14 various members of Jesus' family. Well, there was no event more significant than the birth of Jesus. So it makes sense that early Christian writers who were very intelligent, they chronicled everything they could about Jesus, about the Holy Family, and about their extended family members. For example, we know who was the name of Jesus' grandfather on Joseph's side and on Mary's side. We know about Jesus' relatives who were named Zacharias and Elizabeth. They gave birth to a son who was known as John 
the Baptist. That is just amazing that this was all in one family. But in addition to that, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, that Jesus was the firstborn and after him other brothers were born. For example, Matthew 13, 55 says, Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Now listen to this. And his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Jude. So according to Matthew 13, verse 55, Jesus was the firstborn. He was the only one born of a virgin. But after he was virgin born, Mary gave birth to other boys. And again, the oldest of them was James, then Joseph, then Simeon, then Jude. And two of them wrote books of the New Testament, the book of James and the book of Jude. But when you read Matthew 13, verse 56, it says, and his sisters, are they not all with us? So according to Matthew chapter 13, verse 56, Jesus also had sisters. And guess what? In Greek, it is plural, which means there were at least two. So after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph gave birth to six more kids, James, Joseph, Simeon, Jude, and at least two girls. And the Bible tells us about this. And we find that when we look at Scripture, that God regularly calls families. If you want your family to be used by God, just throw up your arms and say, Lord, here I am, because God delights in using families. For example, if you look at the Old Testament, you find that God called Noah, God called his wife, God called his sons and their wives. If you look at the story of Abraham and Sarah, God called them together. It was a couple who were called by God. Or if you look at the examples of Isaac and Rebekah, both of them and their entire lineage was called by God. Or how about Jacob and his 12 sons? Or how about Moses and his brother Aaron and their sister Miriam, two prophets in one family. Or we come to the New Testament and we see this example of Mary and Joseph and their entire family, which was called by God to do something very special. Or how about Zachariah, Elizabeth, and their son, John the Baptist? Or how about James and John, who in the New Testament are called the sons of Zebedee, two brothers that were called? Or how about Peter and Andrew, two more brothers that were called into the ministry? Or how about the Apostle Paul, who records in the New Testament that multiple members of his family were called into the ministry? Or how about the example of Barnabas? Barnabas was called and he had a sister whose name was Mary. Mary had a big apartment in the city of Jerusalem where Jesus and the disciples regularly met. That is where communion took place. That's where Pentecost took place. So many things happened in that apartment. And she had a son whose name was John Mark, the same John Mark that we read about in the book of Acts, who later became the secretary to the apostle Peter. And when Peter dictated his gospel, Mark wrote it. And that's why it's called the Gospel of Mark. It's actually the Gospel of Peter, but Mark wrote it, so we call it the Gospel of Mark. But my friends, God calls families. He really does. I look at my family. My family is called of God. Your family may not be called into the ministry, but God wants to call your entire family to do something special. You may say, well, every member of my family is not saved. Well, there's a verse that you can claim. Acts 16 verse 31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and all thy house. It does not mean that when you get saved, everybody else is automatically saved. But hey, household salvation has to begin with somebody. It has to begin with 
somebody. I think of Abraham. He was the first in his family to meet the God of glory. But after that, faith began to be passed from one generation to another. And if you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, eventually all your house will be saved and God will extend his call to your entire family. Say amen. But when we come to the story of the nativity in the New Testament, our primary source for the story is Mary herself. Mary took notes. She chronicled and journaled all of these events. You say, Rick, how do you know that? Because of Luke chapter 2, verse 19, which says, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The word kept in the original Greek means to keep within oneself in order to closely guard or to accurately and carefully preserve. The word ponder means to lay in order like a person who carefully and meticulously chronicles a story. Mary was so impacted by the events that she saw happening all around her in regard to this boy that she just gave birth to that she recorded every bit of it on paper. She kept it chronicled in her heart. And in fact, she kept the story in such perfect order in her heart that when she was in her latter life, she was visited by apostles and gospel writers who interviewed her so they might really write the information down accurately and precisely as she had chronicled it and journaled it inside her heart. She kept it within herself. And I want to ask you, are you keeping in your memory the things that God has done for you? What if Mary had not chronicled these events and we had missed it because she wasn't careful to preserve it? But she did. She kept it in her heart so she could pass it on to others. And in the same way, dear friend, Jesus has done so many wonderful things in your life. Are you remembering what he's done? Have you chronicled it in your heart so that you can pass it on to others and tell others what Jesus wants to do in their life as well? Mary kept all these things and she pondered them in her heart. And years later, she conveyed all of these details and all of this information to gospel writers who then took the information and wrote it down precisely and accurately. And that is why we have the story in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But what is so interesting is that when you come to the Gospel of Luke, there's only certain elements of the story. For example, Luke tells us about Mary and Joseph, tells us about the angels that appeared to the shepherds. It tells us about the shepherds coming to worship Jesus in the cave, which was at Bethlehem. But if you just stop with the story of Luke, you read nothing about the Magi, nothing at all. Only Matthew tells us about the Magi. You know why? Because the Magi showed up two years later, and you're going to discover that when Luke finishes his part of the story, the Holy Family packed up, they left Bethlehem, and they went back to their house in Nazareth, and it was two years later that the Magi showed up in Jerusalem saying, hey, where is he that's born King of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. So if all you do is read what Luke wrote, you don't have the complete story. To get the whole story, you have to read Luke. Then you've got to go over to Matthew, who tells the rest of the story. But again, they got all of these facts, all of these details, right from the mouth of Mary herself, who kept all these things in her heart and pondered them, or she chronicled them like a journal. And my friends, that's what you need to do too.
But today in Bethlehem, there really is a church called the Church of the Nativity. It's amazing. What an amazing place. I've been there many, many times. I love to go there. Just the antiquity of that place. To think that it was the Emperor Justinian who ordered it to be constructed, and it was officially consecrated and dedicated in the year 520 A.D. And now, for more than 1,500 years, people have been going to that special holy place in Jerusalem to remember what took place there nearly 2,000 years ago. And when you descend the stairs into the grotto or into the cave, which is below the central cathedral, you really enter into the cave where Jesus was brought into the world 2,000 years ago, born of a virgin miraculously. And there on the floor, inset in the stone, in the granite, in the marble, is the bronze star which shows the place where Jesus was born that holy day. And if you look to the side, you really will see a manger that is carved of stone that is still visible to this very day. That is what Justin Martyr and Origen referred to. He said it's still there. People go there to see it. It's still greatly talked of, which means Jesus was not born in a wooden barn. Jesus was not placed into a wooden manger. Jesus was placed into a stone-carved manger, which was typical of all of the caves that surrounded Bethlehem back in those days. And because Mary and Joseph could find no room in the inn, but Mary was greatly with child and about to give birth, they retreated into the back of one of the caves that was used by shepherds for their livestock. And in the back of that cave, Mary gave birth to the Son of God. Wow, we're just getting started. But when we come back tomorrow, we're going to pick up right here. But I'll be back in just a moment, and I want to pray for you. Do you really know the story of Christmas? Is there more to the story about the birth of our Savior than what you've been told? In this series, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, Rick Renner dives deep into the parts of the Christmas story that most people have never heard. Rick says, I've studied this story for decades, and I found fabulous treasures no one ever shared with me. In this series, we explore the Bible, history, historical writings, and so much more, so we can really understand all the events that took place surrounding the birth of Jesus. Rick answers questions like, why did God choose Mary? Was Joseph really a carpenter? Why was Herod so troubled by Jesus's birth? Who were the Magi? And what was the estimated value of their gifts? This 15-part documentary type series is available in digital or physical format, starting at just $24. And we're excited to also offer you Rick's stunning new book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, for a special new release price of $35. It's a book you'll want to share with friends and family at this time of the year. This hardcover, 300-page, fully illustrated book is a keepsake that friends and family will pass on to future generations. Don't miss this special offer, the series, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, and the beautiful book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Hey friends, this is Rick Renner, and today I am standing in the foyer of Rick Renner Ministries in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I just wish I could pick you up and bring you here to see all the wonderful ministry that is happening in this facility where we receive thousands and thousands of phone calls 
from people just like you who reach out to us for prayer and for teaching they can trust. Proverbs 10:21 says, the lips of the righteous feed many, and we know that's our job. Our job is to feed many. And I want to say thank you to you for everything you've helped us do with your giving. You helped us construct our studio, purchase this building. And now in phase three of our ministry expansion program, we're wanting to pay this facility off so we can liberate all that money to take the teaching of the Bible around the world on additional channels and venues. And by being a part of our giving team, you can really help us make this happen. If you're not already a part of our giving team, please pray about joining us. And together we can join hands and through teaching of the Bible and by ministering to people that reach out to us and by sending teaching products around the world, we can really change people's lives. And it's amazing to me that today it's never been easier to make an impact in somebody else's life right from where you are. Think about that. You don't even have to get out of your chair. Just go online or make a phone call and bam, by becoming a part of the giving team, you can do something that reaches beyond your world into somebody else's life to really make a difference. That is powerful. And according to the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus promises that if we'll go, or if we'll do what we can do to help others go with the Word of God, His power will show up in our lives. So thank you for praying about being a part of our giving team. And the moment you join, I want you to really expect the power of God to show up in your life. Well, today we have covered a lot of material. We've been looking at that miraculous place in Bethlehem where Jesus was born nearly 2,000 years ago. And tomorrow, we're going to ask the question and answer the question, why did God choose Mary? There were many girls that could have given birth to the Son of God. So why did God choose Mary? There's going to be so much for us to learn in tomorrow's program. But please remember that we're offering you the brand new series called Christmas, the rest of the story. The subtitle says, Amazing Insights About Christmas You've Never Heard Before. And it comes with a huge study guide so you can read all of it while you're seeing it or hearing it. And right now we're also offering you my book that I'm so excited about. Please go online or call us and get it. And it's called Christmas, the rest of the story, nearly 300 pages that are fully illustrated. It is full color. It will walk you right into the story of the nativity like you've never heard it before. And my friends, this is a gift you're going to want to share with your family and with your friends. So you ought to order a couple of them right now. But what a privilege that I can bring you this teaching about the nativity and about the birth of Jesus, the most momentous event that ever occurred in history until the cross. And the cross was even more significant. But hey, if you need prayer, reach out to us, ask us to pray with you, and we'll pray with you. Send us an email, give us a call. And the moment we hear from you, we're going to put our faith together with yours for Jesus to do something spectacular. And he really will. But let me pray for you right now. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for all the wonderful things you've done in our lives. Help us to remember it, to chronicle it, to never forget it, so we can share all your wondrous works in our lives with other people like Mary did with the gospel writers. In Jesus' name, amen.
I'll see you tomorrow. But remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, it says where the word of a king is, there is power. Thank you for watching this broadcast. For more information on product resources or to learn how you can partner with this ministry, please connect with us at renner.org. Also, please be sure to visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This program was made possible by the giving of the God-called partners of Renner Ministries.